Well, it is, uh, it is awesome to be here with you this morning, and uh, we are glad that you have uh, decided to join us this Sunday morning, this cold Sunday morning. I'm not sure if any of you guys noticed it, but I saw snowflakes this morning in October. Unbelievable. Where did the fall, like, I, I love fall, and we're not even getting fall. So, um, I don't know, I'm not complaining, I love it, but um, it, uh, it is nice and cold, so Exciting to have some freezing cold polar plunge baptisms uh, later today. And uh, don't worry, Kenny, it's going to be warm water, though. So no worries, no worries. Um, there's a story that is told of a, a young man named Paco, I'm not sure if you've heard it before, uh, who lived in Madrid, Spain. And he uh, was a teenage guy that didn't get along with his father very well at all. And so finally, out of one day, out of anger, he just just screamed at his dad and left, ran away from home, and ran as far away as he could into the city uh, to just get away from, from his dad. Um, and so the story goes that as he began to um, try to live in the city, he ended up being homeless and uh, nothing was working out for him. Um, and secretly in his heart... He longed to be restored to his, his father. Well, as the story goes, this father longed to be reunited with his son, but knew there was no way that he could actually find him. And so he, in the newspaper, decided to take out a newspaper article, a newspaper ad that said, Dear Paco, please meet me at this hotel on Tuesday. And then he said these words, All is forgiven. Love, Papa. He published that into the newspaper article. The next day, which was that Tuesday, he went to the hotel waiting to see if his son would have seen the article and shown up. When he got there, because Paco apparently is a very popular name in, in, um, in Spain, 800 Pacos showed up at that hotel longing for the forgiveness of their father. You know, there is within us inside of our heart, this desire for what's wrong to be made right, for what's been hurt to be restored, for forgiveness. And, and, and so there's this, that God has placed this desire inside of the human heart, a desire that ultimately can only be fulfilled by him and through him. And so this morning, uh, we're going to be talking about forgiveness. Now listen, a couple things before as we get started um, one is, is just the truth that um, we are broken people, right, living in a broken world. Because of that, we will always be facing hurt and heartache. Like, like, forever, like as long as we're on this earth, you're going to be hurt by others and you're going to continue to hurt other people. Uh, until Jesus comes back and makes everything right, that's going to continue to happen. That's just the nature of what it means to be a fallen broken, sinful person. So we're going to experience that. And ultimately that's brought on because of our sin against God from the very beginning and that we've sort of started this, we've gotten ourselves into this mess to begin with. The other thing I want us to be aware of um, this morning is that there's no way that in 35 minutes in a message that I can cover everything that there is to know and, and know that we need to know about forgiveness. I just can't do it. So my prayer this morning is that um, if, if this is an issue for you, if forgiveness is a, is, is a, is a struggle for you, whether that's um, receiving the forgiveness for the first time that God offers to you, 
Maybe that's you this morning. Or maybe it's forgiveness that you need to offer to someone who's hurt you. But my prayer this morning is that this would be a starting point for you. Right? I don't think it's going to fix everything in 35 minutes. But I do know that through the power of the Word of God and the Spirit of God, that He can begin a work in you this morning that will continue throughout the rest of your life. And I believe that today can be that starting point. And that's my prayer. Um, that's my prayer this morning. Um, we're going to read uh, a story, a parable that Jesus told. Uh, and it's not an easy one. I'll just, I'll, just be, I'll just tell you. It hasn't been an easy week for me. I've been walking through this passage and struggling with it. And, and because I know that there's a lot of you in here this morning that you have some deep-seated hurts that, that you've carried for a long time. And I, and I don't want to trivialize those things. And I don't, I don't want to make light of those things because they're real and they hurt and they're hard. But I do know that there is a God who has given us something that's bigger than that pain and that hurt, and that's forgiveness. And so my, my prayer is that, is that you would listen this morning to the Word of God and let Him speak to us. But I, as we get started, I just need to pray and let the Lord um, speak to us and commit this time to Him. Will you pray with me? King Jesus, I thank You for, uh, for Your great love for us. And God, I know that in a room like this, that there are hurts and heartaches and, and there's bitterness and there's anger and there's issues and there's, there's just layer upon layer um, of hurt. And God, I know that it's something that only you can take care of and only you can heal, but I know that you, you do that. And so Lord, I pray this morning that this would be the starting point of healing, of forgiveness for so many in this room. And God, I pray also that if there's somebody in this room this morning that has never received the forgiveness that you have given to us in Christ Jesus, and because of his death on the cross, I pray that today would be that day when they surrender their lives to you for the very first time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so if you got your copy of the Bible, will you open up to the book of Matthew? We're going to be in Matthew chapter 18. Uh, if you don't have a copy, that's all right. You can look up on the screen or you can look on your, or your phone or whatever. Um, but I do think it's important for us to look at it uh, and for you to see it this morning. So we're going we're gonna to begin in um, Matthew chapter 18. We're going to begin in verse 21. And then we're going to read through the end of the chapter, all right? So you follow along in your copy as I read. And let's read this passage um, together. It says in verse 21... So then Peter came up and said to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven, or seventy-seven times, yours may read. Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had until payment could be made. So this servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. And when that, servant came, when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay me what you owe. 
And so his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me and I will repay you. And he refused and he went and put him in prison until he should repay all the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And so they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. So this master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not have you had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him over to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. In verse 35, And so my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. The context in Matthew 18 is pretty uh, incredible. Right before this passage, so before this story, in the beginning of chapter 18, we have Jesus' teaching on when someone sins against you. So it's where we get our teaching on like church discipline or the church's response towards sin. And so as, as in, in the context, he's, he's giving and laying out sort of a step-by-step process. When someone hurts you, when someone sins against you, this is how we should respond. Well, then you get the parable directly after this passage... You have in chapter 19, you have Jesus' teaching on divorce and how, how, the, how he planned from the beginning how a husband and wife would come together in a covenant of marriage. And he, just, he talks about the importance of that and, and, and ultimately why God hates divorce. And so again, this morning, like, I, don't, I don't know where um, your, your stance is. There, there's different views and opinions on on divorce and remarriage and, and what, in when, what cases and situations it's allowable. And, but regardless of what you think, which, by the way, whatever you think should be based on Scripture, not your opinion or your feeling. But whatever that is, regardless of your position, you have to forgive. Regardless. So whether you fall on the side that, you know, we, we did separate for this reason or whatever, you still have to forgive that person. That's the point that Jesus is making in that in that passage. So the context of this entire section is forgiveness. Forgiveness of hurt and things that are done to you, towards you, and against you. So here's what I want us to do in the next few minutes. We're going to walk through this passage just sort of line by line, all right? And as we do, we're going to unpack this story, um, and then at the end we're going to look at um, really what Jesus is saying about forgiveness. And, and again, it's not always easy, but it's something that we need to hear uh, this morning from the Word of God. So we're going to walk through the story. Let's begin in verse 24. So first, or verse 21. So Peter comes up to, um, to Jesus and says a que- he has a question. So he's been talking about forgiveness. So Peter's like, all right, Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother? Somebody who's hurt me, somebody sinned against me. How many times should I forgive him? Listen to what he says. He says, as many as seven times. Now what's interesting is that the, the, um, the, the rabbinic law of the time said that you only had to forgive three times. So in their teaching, not the Bible, not the Old Testament, but their specific teaching, they would say, okay, so if somebody sins against you, you have to forgive them three times. But on the fourth time, man, just let it roll. Like let the anger out, just like let them have it because they, they deserve it. So you were obligated to forgive three times, but not four. So Peter, knowing that, obviously, 
knowing Jesus and knowing that, knowing that Jesus always was upping the game, right? Jesus was always taking things uh, the next step. So, so Peter's like, okay, so, um, so that was three. So what if I double that and then maybe I'll add one for good measure? Okay, so Jesus, should I forgive seven times? Thinking that he's doing a pretty good thing. Like if I forgive somebody seven times, I'm doubling what most people would do. But look at Jesus' response. Jesus says, I don't say to you seven times, Peter, but 70 times seven. That can also be understood as 77 times or 77 or 70 times seven. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's not trying to give you a specific number, right? Like, all right, so 490 times you have to forgive, but on that 491st time, game on. That's not what he's saying. No, he's saying limitlessly, right? So, Let that sink in. All right, Jesus, how many times should I forgive someone who sins against me? And Jesus says, you're asking the wrong question. Because there's never an end to forgiveness. There's never a point in which you are done forgiving. There's never a point when we're going to reach the end of the forgiveness that we are to offer to those who have hurt us and, and wronged us. Growing up, my parents had a, a three strike rule. And it was, but in the context, it was for movies that we would watch. And so as we would watch movies, um, they were, they, my parents allowed, this is growing up, my, my parents allowed three cuss words. And that was it. You can't watch movies these days, anything. You can't watch, by the way, you can't watch The Incredibles too without getting three cuss words. That's just a side note. Okay, so, but you can't watch that, you can't watch things. But, but they had this three strike rule. So when, when the third cuss word happened, it was over. It was like, all right, it's done. Shut it off. We're done with this thing. We can't watch it. So as kids, we were always so frustrated. We'd be watching this awesome movie, and we'd get to the very end of the movie, and we're like, please don't cuss. Please don't cuss anymore. We want to watch the movie. And then, you know, usually sometimes it would end up happening, and my, my mom and dad, boom, done. Sorry. Guess we'll never know how that movie ended. Um, <laughs> have to Google it. Um, so, but that's not what Jesus is saying. There's no three, three strikes and it's over. Three offenses, three sins against you and it's over. No, he's saying it's limitless. There's never a, an end to the forgiveness. So then Jesus wants to illustrate that. And he does so again through a story or a parable. And here's what he says. He says, so the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wished to settle his accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, he was, someone was brought into him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now listen, a talent was a, um, was a measure of money. It, w- it was the equivalent of 20 years of wages. One talent would have been someone's wages for 20 years. And so for him to say he owed him 10,000 talents, so not only was a talent like the highest system of measure that they had for money, 10,000 was the highest number that they had in the Greek language. And so he's saying 10,000 talents. It's this enormous number that would have been absolutely staggering to them to read that. So to put it into today's terms, it would be the equivalent of somebody saying $20 billion of debt. All right, so let that number sink in. So you got somebody who's coming before this king with $20 billion of debt. It's not, it's, it's amount of money that he could not repay in a million lifetimes. There's no chance that he can repay this debt. So he goes and he goes to the king and says, 
you know, there's, there's this guy who owes this money. There's no way that he can possibly repay it. But yet he says, um, you know, he's ordered him to be put into prison because it's, it, he, couldn't, he couldn't repay the debt. But the servant falls on his knees and is begging him, verse 26, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. But he couldn't do it. He's begging for something that he can actually deliver on. He's, he's trying to plead for something that he's no way that he can earn, right? There's no way that he can pay that back. I don't know if you have ever felt that way, but has somebody ever hurt you? Maybe tried to make amends, maybe tried to make it right, but there's nothing that they could say. There's nothing they can do to undo what they did. They, they can't go back in time and try to, try to redo that thing. It happened, right? It's, it's, it's done. So if I were to loan you my car, which, by the way, I'd be willing to do if you need a car. Um, if I were to loan you my car and you crashed it, like you just wrecked it, you totaled the, the, the truck's done. It's absolutely smashed. Um, I can have you fix it and repair it. Like I, I can leave, I can push that all on you and say it's your responsibility, you've got to fix it. Or I can fix it. But we can't pretend like it's not wrecked. Right? It's like it, it happened, the crash happened, the truck is mangled, it's not going to fix itself. So I can either push that on you, or I can fix it myself. But we can't ignore like it didn't happen. There's offenses and, and sins that have been done towards you, against you, or you have committed towards someone else, and you can't pretend like it didn't happen. If someone has hurt you in some way, you can't pretend like it didn't happen. You can, you can choose to forgive, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Or you can choose not to forgive and, make, and push that payment on them forever and ever and ever. I'll tell you what, you're going to be continually bound by that unforgiveness. And we'll look about what that looks like in just, in just a minute. So he pleads with this king to be that he will repay, but of course he can't do it. So verse 27, out of pity for him, the master said of that servant, released him, listen, and forgave him the debt. Now now notice, he wasn't asking for forgiveness, was he? He was asking for patience so that he could repay. The king actually gives him forgiveness. He wipes it clean. He wipes the slate clean. He completely eliminates the debt that that he owed. So the people at this time or here in this store would have been like, that's crazy, right? First of all, it's insane that somebody could even owe that amount of money. I can't even wrap my mind around that kind of money, how somebody could ever occur that kind of debt. Although I did hear, I don't know if you heard Mike Tyson, the, 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 the fighter. Um, over his lifetime, uh, or his boxing career, he made over like $300 million or something crazy like that. Um, and he, um, by the end of, by 2003 or something like that, two, Yeah, something about 2003, he was completely bankrupt and was millions of dollars in debt. How that happens, I don't don't know. But even that debt pales in comparison to the billions of dollars that this man owes. And it says out of pity. The word here, the Greek word is this word compassion. It's the same word that we talked about uh, weeks ago in the prodigal son. When the father who, who saw his son coming at a distance, and when he looked at him, he had this compassion well up in his heart. That's the same word that, that Jesus is using here. Out of this overflowing compassion, he sees him and he forgives the debt. Now, Jesus could have ended it right there and said, you want to know how to forgive, Peter? There you go. That's how you forgive. 
That's how you forgive an insurmountable debt. But he didn't stop there. He's, he's continuing with his story. Verse 28, he says, And so when the same servant who's now forgiven, right? He's been forgiven $20 billion of debt, and now he goes out. And he finds someone who owes him money. And it says he owed him 100 denarii. Now, a, a denarius um, was about a day's wage. So a denarius was about a day's wages for a worker. And so he says he owes him about 100 uh, denarius. So that would be the equivalent of about $10,000. Now, that's not a small amount of money, is it? That's, that's a lot of money. It is for me, $10,000. That's a lot of money. And so it's not saying that, that this is not a lot of money. But when you compare it to the $20 billion that he owed and was forgiven, like that's, that doesn't even scratch the surface. Right? Doesn't even doesn't even get in the ballpark. So the disciples hearing this would have, can you imagine? Like nobody would do that, Jesus. Nobody would be forgiven $20 billion of debt and then not forgive the 10000 Like nobody, who in their right mind would do that? And then Jesus is saying, well, you would. That's, that's what you're doing. So Jesus is not trying to discount what's come. Like, so $10,000 is a lot of money. He's not trying to discount the hurt that's come towards you. It's real, and it hurts, and it's heavy, and it's huge. But he's saying, I, what I want you to do is not discount the hurt that you've received and, and, and the sins that have been against you, but I want you to compare it to your sin against God. The $20 billion debt versus the $10,000 debt. He's trying to put it in the proper perspective. So he continues. The word gets back to the master that what he had done. And so look in verse 32. He says, the master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all. All the debt. I forgave you every bit of it. I forgave you all of your debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant? Listen, as I have had mercy on you. That's the, probably the key to this entire thing. Just those simple words. Even as I. So here's what he's saying. The same way that I had mercy and compassion on you, with that same compassion and mercy, you're supposed to show to others, it's the same exact it's the same exact meaning and, and wording that we get in Ephesians chapter four, verse thirty-two. If you got it, you can turn there. Ephesians four, verse thirty-two says, "Be kind to one another and tender-hearted, forgiving one another." Listen, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. So that's the game changer for us. Because my level of forgiveness is not based on somebody else that I've seen or seen modeled by my parents. The level of forgiveness is based on God's forgiveness of me. So guys, so let me ask you, how has God forgiven you? Right, how, how has he forgiven you? How has he lavished his love on you What sins has he forgiven you of? He's forgiven us of an infinite amount of sins against an infinitely holy God. 
And so he says, in the same way, show that same forgiveness to to others. The word forgive is the Greek word ephemi, uh, which simply means to free or to loose, to release or to liberate completely. Uh, It's the word that they would have used even in secular terms of canceling a debt. So there was a debt that was owed for somebody, like whether whether there was a debt that you didn't pay or a, a debt that you incurred something. And to forgive someone meant to take that bill and to shred it up and say that this, this debt that you owe is being forgiven. So it wasn't just a spiritual word. It was an actual word that they would have used in common business and language. And so I'm taking this. I'm choosing to tear up the bill. I'm choosing to let go to forgive what you owe. It was the idea of completely and totally Releasing someone. Forgiving. The reason we got to know what forgiveness is, is because of the seriousness of what happens if we don't forgive. So continue. Matthew 18, look what he says. In verse 34, And so in anger the master delivered him to the jailers until he should repay all of his debt. And so my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Let me be really careful. What Jesus is not saying here, he is not saying that if you choose not to forgive someone, that he's going to take your forgiveness away. But what he is saying is that when you refuse to forgive, you are revealing that you don't actually understand what it means to be forgiven of your sin, and to have that sin wiped away. Refusal to forgive is evidence that we don't understand what our, our own sin against God and what it means to have that sin forgiven. Now listen, notice what I did not say. I said a refusal to forgive. Listen, hear me. Not difficulty to forgive. Right? I'm not saying that it's not going to be difficult to forgive. But a heart that refuses to forgive is evidence that we actually don't understand our own sin against God and what it means to have that sin forgiven. What Jesus is saying is this. Forgiven people forgive. Forgiven people forgive. And not only that, forgiven people forgive without limit. Because we know what it means to be forgiven without limit. We, we know what it means to be forgiven time and time and time again. And so what Jesus is not, he's not trying to discount your pain, but he is trying to put it into the right perspective and say, listen, view your hurt and the sins against you in light of your sin against God. And his forgiveness of that sin. I don't know if you know the name Corey Tinboom, if you remember that name. Um, Corey Tinboom lived during World War II in the Netherlands. She and her family um, were 
followers of Jesus, and they lived during an unbelievable time in history. In, uh, in May the 10th, 1940, Germany, the Nazis, invaded the Netherlands, her home country, uh, and began to immediately arrest and murder the Jews that were living there in, in her city. So they began to, to uh, arrest and, and were instantly throwing them into their concentration camps. When they saw this was happening, they knew they had to do something about it. So they built in their home, if you read the book, The Hiding Place, they, they built in the back of their home a secret room that, you, that couldn't be seen and just looked like a, a, a wall. And behind it, they would hide the Jews as they would come into their home and they would take them and they would give them refuge and, and hiding from the Nazis as they would come through um, looking for Jews. They hid and saved the lives of more than 800 Jews during that, during that time. But in 1944, the Germans found out what she was doing, her father and her sister Betsy, what they were doing, and they invaded their home, and they didn't just arrest the Jews, they arrested the entire family. And they take, took them to the same concentration camps that they were putting the Jewish people in. They put them in the concentration camps. They took Corey and her sister Betsy and put her in one of the most infamous prisons. One one known for just thousands and thousands of of deaths called Ravensbrück. This is one of the most violent concentration camps that they had. It said that there was more than 6,000 women who were murdered alone just through gas chambers. There was over... 50,000 that were killed through starvation, through, um, through disease, through shootings, through beatings. It was a terrible, terrible place. The women were taken in and they were stripped naked and they were mocked and they were beaten and they were abused time and time and time again. That's the environment that they lived in those years. Corey and her sister Betsy were countless times were beaten and abused and mocked and insulted and starved. It wasn't long until her sister, she watched her sister Betsy starve to death, died there in the camp. By some miracle, Corey Tinboom was actually released. She was released out of the, uh, out of the camp one week before every woman her age was murdered. It's a miracle that she, that she was alive. Years later, she went back to Germany, believe it or not, to speak in a church about forgiveness. God had delivered her out of that, and so she had a platform to go back after the war was over uh, and speak to a broken country about the forgiveness of God. I'm going to read something that she wrote in one of her books that described an event that happened in that church. So she went back to a church to the very people that had captured them to talk about the forgiveness of God. And then she describes a moment when she met one of her guards, one of her abusers face to face. Listen to what she says. It was 1947 and I'd come from Holland to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives 
It was the truth that they needed to hear the most in that bitter, bombed-out land. And I gave them my favorite mental picture. When we confess our sins, I said, God cast them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. And even though I cannot find it in Scripture, I believe that God then places a sign that says, No fishing allowed. When the service was over, that's when I saw him. Working his way forward against the others, one moment the one moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat and a blue uniform and a cap with skull and crossbones, and then instantly I knew. The past came back with a rush and the shame of, of walking naked past this man. I, I could even see my sister's frail body form ahead of me, her ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Oh, Betsy, how thin you were. And then this man who was making his way towards me, I saw that he had been one of the most cruel guards in Ravensbrook. And now he was in front of me, his hand thrust out, and he said, that was a very fine message. How good it is to know that, as you say, all of our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, I, I, I fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among those thousands? He said, but, I, but she continued, but I remembered him. And I was face to face with one of my captors, and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. He said, I, I was actually a guard there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time, he went on to say, I've become a Christian. And I know that God has forgiven me for all the terribly cruel things that I did there. But now I would like to know from you. Will you forgive me? As I stood there, I whose sins I had again and again, had again and again been forgiven, I could not forgive him. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply just for asking for forgiveness? Could he, could he undo all of those terrible things? It could have been many seconds that we stood there with that hand held out. But to me it seemed like hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing that I ever had to do. But I had to do it, and I, and I knew that, and so the message that God forgives has a prior condition to it, that we forgive those who have injured us. And it says, if you do not forgive men their trespasses, then Jesus says, then neither will I, that your Father in heaven forgive yours. And so as I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart, but I knew forgiveness is not an emotion. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. So I said, Jesus, help me. And I said, God, I can lift up my hand. I know that I can do that much. I can lift up my hand. Will you please supply the feeling? And so she took her hand. And she stretched it out. And she said, I forgive you brother, with all my heart, as tears flooded my eyes, a long moment we just held hands together, 
the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as it did right then. It was as if a current came from my shoulder and into my hands. And I felt a warmth of love that I had never felt before. But even then I realized it was not my love because I tried to forgive and I didn't have the power. It was the power of God working in me. Forgiveness is not an emotion. Forgiveness is a choice that we make. And she chose to forgive even though he couldn't repay what he had done. I want to go through a few more of these things, a few more thoughts on forgiveness, and then we're going to be done. But I think they're important for us to grasp. Listen, because I need you to understand what we're not saying about forgiveness. Okay? Forgiveness does not mean forgetting. Right? It doesn't mean that, okay, so just move on, and it's as if it never happened. Just don't worry about it. Just forget about it, and you'll never think about it ever again. That's not what forgiveness is saying. It's not saying that sin is, is not a big deal, right? It's not saying that, just, just, just forget about it, it's not a big deal. Sin is always a big deal. But it does mean refusing to hold the offense against someone. It doesn't mean forgetting, it means refusing to hold the offense against someone. Hebrews ten seventeen, God says, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Here's what he's saying. He's not saying that the God who knows everything is going to suddenly forget. He's saying that I'm choosing not to hold their sins against them. And that's a choice that we have to to make. Forgiveness does not mean accepting the sin. It doesn't mean that a man who's abusive to his wife, that you just look over and ignore it as if it hasn't happened, or that it's not that big deal. Forgiveness is not giving them a free pass. But it does mean that you determine in your heart to let God be the avenger, not you. A man who's abusive to his wife doesn't get a free pass. He needs to go to jail. And you need to forgive. It doesn't mean that you accept the sin. It means that you let God be the avenger not you. Forgiveness, listen, is both an event and it's a process. It's both an event and a process. That means that there is an event, there is a time, there's a period where you choose to tear up that debt that's owed to you. Right? That that sin that's making, that you actually literally, that you, like, that you, you forgive in a moment. And I'm choosing in this moment to forgive this sin that's been committed against me. But that does not mean that it goes away and never comes back. It doesn't mean that you'll never struggle with thoughts of what they did and that came back towards you. So it is an event and that there's a moment when you choose to forgive, but it's also a process and that it's a choice that you have to live out every day. It's a choice that you have to commit to and say, yes, I have chosen to forgive. And so when that sin comes back up in your mind, and it's, do you remember what they did to you? Can you believe that? Can you, you, you remember the sin that they committed against you, and you say, yeah, I do remember, but I also remember that I have chosen to rip that up. I also remember that I have chosen to forgive, and so today I'm choosing to forgive again. So you know when Jesus says forgive, 
70 times 7? That could be because there's times you might have to forgive somebody 491 times. 500 times for the same sin that was committed to you. Again, when it comes up into your mind, you forgive it again. And you forgive it again. And you forgive it again. Corey Tinboom, we just talked about, was asked the same question. All right, Corey, so you've been able to forgive these people. Does it, does it never come up to your mind what, what they did to you? And she said, oh yeah, it does, all the time. He said, well, what do you, what do, you do in that moment? How, how, do you, how do you deal with that? Here's what she said. I think in, in wisdom, she said, I just learned how to stop pulling the rope. And they said, what, what, pulling the rope, what does that even mean? And so here's what she said. She said, you see that church over there? You see the big bell tower on the top of the, the bell? She said, when you pull that rope, you give that bell the strength that it needs to ring, to begin to, keep, to bang side to side and continue to ring. She said, when you let go of the rope, you, it continues to ring for a time. But slowly by slowly... It loses the strength that it needs to continue to ring. She said, that's, that's what I mean. I mean, I've, I've learned to stop pulling the rope because as long as I pull that rope and continue to think on it and continue to, to, to just seep in what the sin was, was done against me, then I'm, just, I'm giving it more and more strength and more and more power and more and more time to, to ring and ring and ring. And it's never going to stop as long as you're pulling the rope. So she said, I finally had to learn to stop pulling the rope. And in time, the ringing stops. Not today, not tomorrow, maybe not ten years from now. So I learned to stop pulling the rope. So to be honest, some of you have been living for years and years under the burden of unforgiveness towards someone. And I'm not pretending, listen again, I'm not pretending to know or understand everything that you've, that you've walked through. Um, I, I'm not. In fact, I can tell you um, honestly um, that I have sinned against others more than anybody's ever sinned against me. I have more sin to my account than I've ever committed to someone else. And maybe that's not true of you. Maybe you have been sinned against so viciously, so maliciously, so intentionally. But I know for me, someone who has been the offender, I know what it means to, ha- to have to fall on my knees before someone and say, I'm so sorry for my sin against you. And I also know what it means to feel and hear the words that says, I forgive you. I, I know what that feels like. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you don't understand. You never, you've never embraced the forgiveness that God offers to you. Or maybe you've been hanging on to that debt. And today's the day, it's time to rip it up. It's time to forgive. Not an emotion, not a feeling, not I feel like today's a good day, I'm really feeling stirred up like I'm going to forgive. No, it's I'm going to make the choice today. Why? Because Jesus forgave me of an immensely more infinite debt. My debt, what was sinned against me, doesn't compare to the sin that I've committed against God. So some of us need that perspective change.
this morning. And my prayer is that God would work in your heart and give you the grace and the strength that you need to tear it up today. Will you pray with me? Uh, Lord Jesus, uh, God, uh, I thank you for the truth that we can be forgiven. That we can be forgiven of sin. (laughs) Billions, billions of dollars. Infinite amount of money. An infinite debt to you. And that you have wiped it clean. So God, I pray that in light of the forgiveness that you have given to us, God, by your grace, would you give us the strength and the what we need to forgive those who have sinned against us. Would you do in this moment what only you can do? In Jesus' name we pray.